0: 877 381 877 381 Oh, the news is so Mickey Mouse, isn't it? Let's start the program this way. I have a question for you, ladies and gentlemen, particularly you Democrats. What is the Democrat policy to deal with the inner-city mass murder that's taking place? In every major city. What's the Democrat policy to deal with it? I hear crickets. Do you hear crickets, Mr. Producer? They have none. None. What did Joe Biden say today or yesterday about the mass murder that's been taking place in the inner cities of this country? What did he say yesterday? Nothing. Did he or his campaign put out a statement? Not one syllable. You're running for president of the United States and you don't even acknowledge what's taking place in our cities because you have no policy. Let me be clear, and let us hope it is recorded and regurgitated by all the hate websites. The Democrat Party would rather have an issue than Black Lives Matter, and that's lowercase b, lowercase l, lowercase m. They would rather not offend the Marxists, the anarchists, and the assorted kooks who seek to defund our police departments. Biden and his party, Pelosi and Schumer, haven't said squat about what they would do. The President of the United States tweets and says, Hey, mayors, I can't just send in military. I can't just send in National Guard. I can't just help you. You need to ask for help. Governors, I'm here. Ask me, I'll help you. Not a word. And what's the Biden plan? There is no plan. He's Helen Keller. He can't hear, he can't see, he can't speak. Nothing. He's not Helen Keller. She had an IQ. And of course, the Democrats. Nothing. You read these numbers... In Chicago and New York and Philadelphia and Cleveland and one city after another. To the best of my knowledge, all of these people, if not the vast majority of them, are black. And these little kids, babies, killed. You hear nothing from Antifa, nothing from Black Lives Matter. Because they help create the environment in which this is occurring. As have these radical progressive mayors. Let's be blunt. And let's pin the blame exactly where it belongs. Obviously, the killer's first, but you need to have leadership. Leadership. There is no Joe Biden policy to deal with the mass murder that's taking place in the inner cities. And it's not just mass murder. That's all we hear about. There's robberies. There's, there's burglaries. There's assault and batteries. There's rapes. Everything is skyrocketing. Everything. And what will the white liberals do? Ooh, Frank. Yes, Samantha. Let's leave. Okay, where shall we go? Let's go to a red state that is systemically racist, but at least we'll have lower taxes, and at least at least they won't have crime in their communities and in their schools, Frank. All right, Samantha, let's go. Let's make sure we can pick a realtor. I don't want to pay 6%, maybe 4%. Oh, okay. And then we can vote for Biden. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. And what has Kamala Harris said about all the slaughter? Nothing. What, is ba- what about the congresswoman who was the former chief of police in Orlando, whose name escapes me, thankfully? Uh, nothing. Schumer, nothing. Pelosi, nothing. 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 They're very quiet. So you see, the inner cities do not work, and they're worse than not working. The people are being killed. They're not getting an education. They're not safe. They're chasing out small businesses. They're killing the cities, exactly what they want to do to the entire country. That's what's going on. Joe Biden is paralyzed. He's paralyzed because of his cognitive difficulties, but he's also paralyzed because he dare not speak out. He dare not speak out and at least acknowledge what's going on in these Democrat-controlled cities with these left-wing policies. That little black babies are being slaughtered by tough black gang members. So what are they going to do about it in the Democrat Party? Not a damn thing. They've disarmed the populations in these cities, and now they're eviscerating the cops. Now, that should be the main issue as far as I'm concerned. Right, LeBron? Right, Steph? Right, uh, Popovich, whatever the hell your name is? Meanwhile, may I? Meanwhile, may I? Outkick.com. That's right, I said it. Outkick.com. Clay Travis. You're not going to see this on a single news program because there's such a Friggin' disgusting liars and propagandists up and down the line. Coronavirus daily deaths down, down 92.4% from peak. Hello, 92.4%. So murders in New York are up over 200%. And the coronavirus deaths are down 92.4% nationwide from peak. And they've declined 10 straight weeks in a row. Did you know this? Of course you didn't know this. Because all we get on TV and radio, yak, 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 nothing substantive. On July 4th, 254 people died nationwide of the coronavirus. That number went even lower yesterday, July five. Two 209 people died nationwide of the coronavirus. Now these 254 deaths on Saturday and 209 deaths on Sunday represent a remarkable death rate decline of 92.4% from the peak daily death total of 2,749 set on April 21st. Saturday and Sunday were also the two lowest days for number of deaths in the country from the coronavirus since March 23rd. Yes, it's a holiday weekend, but the overall trend lines have been straightforward for months. Deaths decline on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday every weekend. So there's nothing that abnormal about these numbers. Deaths generally peak every Tuesday. So if you enjoy reading fear porn, he writes, there will likely be a series of fear porn-laden articles come Tuesday and Wednesday when deaths climb back up after a week and decline. As if that were not enough, yesterday also marked the 10th straight week of declining deaths from the coronavirus in this country. We've gone from 14,813 deaths in the week of April 20 to 26 an average of 2,116 a day to 3,611, an average of just 516 a day from June 28th to July 4th. That's a decline of 76% in the death rate over the past 10 weeks. And he states rightly, well, I prefer no one ever died at all. I wish we were all immortal." But at 516 deaths a day, we're talking about roughly 7,000 people dying every day in this country of something or other than coronavirus, including murder. That is, over the past week, coronavirus deaths represented roughly 6% of all the deaths that occurred in America, meaning 94% of all people in this country are dying of something other than the coronavirus. It's important to note there's a difference between dying with the coronavirus and dying of the coronavirus. Virtually every person is dying with the coronavirus in this country, meaning those that are dying today have comorbidities, generally multiple comorbidities. So if you're dying with, say, stage 4 cancer in some form, and you also have the coronavirus, you're counted as a coronavirus death. We pointed this out months ago. They spiked the numbers. Put simply, simply so even any newsroom can understand it, even Joe Scarborough, Mika Spazginski. Put simply, 7,500 people die in the United States every day, 2.8 million every year, even assuming the coronavirus death tallies in this country are accurate, which they clearly are not. Right now, the coronavirus would represent around 4.6% of all deaths in this country in a year. Mr. Producer, I didn't find this on the Drudge Report. I looked and looked and looked. I couldn't find it on the Drudge Report. With all the hype and all the red links and all the anti-Trump this and anti-Trump that and the sky is falling and tomorrow won't come, and I didn't find this on the Drudge Report. Why is that? Anybody know? So day after day, you're being told how many people have the coronavirus each day. And as I've said to you now, it's got to be three or four weeks, isn't it, Mr. Producer? I've said to you now, almost every day, why aren't they giving us the death rate? That's the bottom line. Are people going to die from this pandemic? That's the bottom line. But they don't tell us. So you have to listen to this Excuse me, you have to listen to this show and other people doing the research over there at like OutKick. Just by looking at the data, it's there. We don't even need models, we just look at the data. So nobody's downplaying this virus, but an awful lot of people are playing it up. And they always seem to come back to Donald Trump, that he's responsible. And Joe Biden hides out in his padded cell, I mean padded basement, can't wait to talk about the coronavirus and how he would have handled it so much better. And so many millions more people would be employed if only Joe Biden were there. Joe Biden can't even leave his house. But Joe Biden says, listen to me, not one damn word about these horrific mass murder scenes taking place in our inner cities. Not a word. Because those are Democrat mayors. Those are Democrats who run these cities and these city councils. These are Democrat policies. Frankly, most of them are Democrat voters. Frankly, Joe Biden does want to upset them. And he does want to upset Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the military wing of the Democrat Party. I used to call it the militia wing, but somebody else now uses that, so I, I won't. Joe. Lunch bucket. Joe, are you there? How many fingers am I holding up, Joe? I'm going to hold up a hundred fingers, because that's about the number of people that are getting killed around here, Joe. What is your policy to deal with this, Joe? What is the Democrat Party policy in Democrat Party cities with Democrat Party mayors and Democrat Party city councils and Democrat Party governors? What is their policy? to confront the mass murder that's taking place in our cities. There is no damn policy. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character, to preserve it. Hillsdale's been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, Commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So Spain has officially canceled the running of the bulls. You ought to come over here and look at our media. we got more running of the bulls than you can possibly imagine. It's nonstop. I've got more to say about these things that I've discussed, but I'm so excited. Because the president's speech on July 3rd was a killer speech. It was a fantastic speech. Listen, I have listened to a lot of speeches. The great Ronald Reagan gave speeches like nobody else. You can listen to Churchill speeches on the internet. There are speeches and then there are speeches. Donald Trump's speech is right up there. It's up there with a Reagan and a Churchill speech. The substance was magnificent, the delivery was magnificent, the scene, magnificent. It was Perfect pitch, perfect tone. It was a unity speech. So, of course, the media said, oh, my God, we've never said, so divisive. Keep pushing the racial narrative. The president has been right on so many things, but he's right about something else. He said, the press is the enemy of the people. He's right. In America today... These newsrooms are the enemy of the people. We're not talking about the Bill of Rights. The President actually supports the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. It's the Democrats who don't, who are pulling down statues of the men who wrote the Bill of Rights and who adopted the Bill of Rights. The President's trying to defend them. By the way, I watch these A-hats. May I call them A-hats, Mr. Producer? I think ass-hats is actually allowed, isn't it? I watch these asshats on TV. They're Democrats. You know, uh, we really should pull down these statues, these Confederate statues. And now you have uh, Duckworth. I'll get to her. Uh, She goes on and on about, uh, you know, we ought to have a discussion about George Washington. And nobody ever uses the Levin line, ever. Aren't you a Democrat? Yes. The Democrat Party? Yes. The party of slavery and segregation, the party of Jim Crow, the party of Robert Byrd, who the Democrats elected majority and then later minority leader just a few decades back. Yes. That Democratic Party? Yes. That gave uh, birth to Klansmen, may I say? Oh, it's true. Yes, that Democratic Party. Well, you talk about pulling down statues. You even want to discuss George Washington about your own damn party. Pull down the name of your own damn party. Paint over the name of the Democratic National Committee. What the hell is this? Why doesn't anybody say to them, if we're going to destroy symbols, words, movies, careers, then by God, how does the Democrat Party still stand? Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character, to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto come what may. Learn more. Go to LevinforHillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for for Hillsdale.com.
1: The only show with a warning label, The Liberals, The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. I'll
0: discuss a little bit of Charlie Daniels in Hour 3. I got to meet him a few times at the... uh, at the Hannity events where we honored the military. A nicer guy you never met and a super patriot, but I I want to talk about it in hour three a little bit. And he died suddenly of a stroke and that's too damn bad. It really is. And I wish his family all the best, but there you have it. But we'll talk about it more in hour three. The president gave a truly fantastic, I would say, historic speech at Mount Rushmore, defending those tremendous icons chiseled under the mountain behind him, and he talked about Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln and TR, as well as others, and he put them in context. And I am so disgusted when I hear politicians and media clowns and basketball players and football players and drama students and actors and all the rest. I'm disgusted. They live in a country created by these men. There would be no United States of America but for several great heroes... The top of the list of whom is George Washington who spent eight years of his life fighting the british and if they had captured him, they would have decap they would have taken him back to London, guillotined his head off, put it on a stake, and left it there for for a year. I don't know uh. And Colin Kaepernick has done exactly what? Mark, what Mark? He gave up a career. Gave up what career? He's a lousy football player. But I think to myself, what these men did they wave around the Bill of Rights like they just happened. There's no other country on the face of the earth that has a Bill of Rights. And notice those Bill of Rights apply to everybody. Everybody. Well, they didn't always apply it that way, but they wrote it that way. Because they knew one day, given the nature of the Constitution, the ability to amend it, that these matters would get resolved one way or another. The only country on the face of the earth that fought a civil war, and not just any civil war, with massive casualties... Not only to keep the Union, but to end slavery, as Frederick Douglass would later point out. He was skeptical, but he certainly wasn't skeptical at the end of the Civil War. The President's speech at Mount Rushmore, despite the court gestures who make up the population in our newsrooms, will get on in history as a great speech, one of the great ones. And he was immediately attacked. Hat tip this great website, Grabian. Cut one. Here you have some media clowns, known and unknown. Go.
2: Donald Trump chose the most grandiose symbol of U.S. imperialism on Earth to usher in a very on-brand, star-spangled spectacle.
0: The mother of all photo ops, Mount Rushmore. And we know why this president just can't resist going there.
3: President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from
1: Native Americans.
0: We have to acknowledge that Mount Rushmore is sitting on Lakota land the place Donald Trump is going to. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do any of these a-holes know that their estates are sitting on somebody's land? Do they know that, Mr. Producer? Every one of these schmucks in Manhattan, are they aware who used to inhabit Manhattan? How about California? This is so disgusting and pathetic. And of course, when Obama went back there in 2012, nobody talked at all about this. That one tribal leader, the vast majority of the tribal leaders have no issue. That one tribal leader never said a damn thing. The media never said a damn thing, except how wonderful it was, because it's Obama. Go ahead. Stolen land.
2: He will inevitably and predictably talk about our heritage. In other words, he will talk
1: about... He is the protector of white America. And to indigenous people, Mount Rushmore with four white presidents, two of whom were slave owners, is
0: one of those symbols. Questions have really been raised uh, about Thomas Jefferson in particular, but also George Washington. Hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what, everybody? Guess what? That that Thomas Jefferson also was the original author of the uh, Declaration of Independence. Can you imagine that? They talk fast and stupid, don't they? Why don't you talk about that? The fact that you exist as a press, that's right there in the First Amendment. Wow, can you imagine that? If we didn't have a country, you wouldn't exist. Whoa, there'd be no press. There'd be no free speech. There'd be no freedom of assembly. You know, I pointed out in Liberty and Tyranny that one of the, the the puzzles of liberty is that the enemies of liberty use liberty to destroy Liberty. Just as the enemies of the Constitution use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. But for three of those four men at Mount Rushmore Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln this country would not exist. Period. This country would not exist. And all they can say is they're slave owners. George Washington, the commander of the Revolutionary Forces, president who serves two terms, didn't even want to serve the first, definitely didn't want to serve the second, goes home as a citizen, never seen in world history before, a man of such power. He was the president of the Constitutional Convention, sitting in the chair. They needed him there in order to make it work. Again, away from his home, away from where he wanted to be. He also freed his slaves upon his death. Well, what's the big deal with that? Well, most did not. Most did not. I should say upon the death of his wife. But he freed his closest slave immediately. Immediately. It's just hard to hear this. These reporters didn't talk this way Six weeks ago, did they, Mr. Producer? They didn't talk this way eight weeks ago. They didn't talk this way a year ago, five years ago, six, eight, ten years ago. Now they talk this way. Now they have finally found faith. Oh, no, no, not the kind of faith you're thinking of. Now they have finally found faith. Two slave owners were on that mountain. Two slave owners. And Lincoln? They hate Lincoln too. They hate Lincoln too. Theodore Roosevelt? I don't know what their problem is with Theodore Roosevelt. He was a good progressive. He was one of the early progressives. Oh, I know what it is. He conquered the Philippines. He conquered Puerto Rico. He conquered Cuba. In other words, he was a military hero. He won the Medal of Honor. By the way, did you know one of his sons won the Medal of Honor too, Mr. Producer? Fighting D-Day on Normandy. There's a family that has given to this country, dismissed. The Lincoln family gave to this country. Lincoln was assassinated, dismissed. Washington gave his life to founding this country and creating this country, slave owner. Jefferson gave his life to this country, the Declaration of Independence, among other things. Slave owner. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. So any of the rest of their legacy is to be dismissed. Dismissed. Even though the people who attack live as free people today, can speak as free people today, can associate and protest as free people today Thanks to those men. Thanks to those men. I don't know how much more there is, but go ahead.
1: For their holdings of slaves. It's worth reminding folks that the man who carved the monument behind me had deep ties to the KKK. There are other issues. The sculptor, Goodson Borglum, was a supporter of the Ku Klux Klan. That, of course...
0: Whoa, did you tell everybody that so was the Democrat Party? Did you tell everybody the Democrat Party... Your party media was the party of slavery and segregation. Did you tell them that, media? And it wasn't that long ago when the Democrats gathered in their cock room and they, they voted Robert Byrd to be their majority leader in the 1970s. The Grand clegel whatever that is, of the Klan in West Virginia. There was no Klan in West Virginia. He helped create it. And then when they lost the majority, they voted him their minority leader. And then they made him head of the Appropriations Committee? Wow. How come they don't mention any of that? How come they don't mention that Franklin Roosevelt, his first appointee to the Supreme Court, was the lawyer for the Klan in Alabama? How come they never talk about the Democrats and their ties? Joe Biden is running under a banner of a party that supported slavery and segregation. Does anybody know that? No, of course not. And what did the Democrat Party give us for most of its existence? Racism. It does it today in a different way. It does it today in a different way. George Washington. If these men could come back today, do you think they'd put their lives on the line for this country, Mr. Producer? No, no way. There's no way they would do it. How come they never talk about the founders that didn't own slaves, Mr. Producer? How come they don't talk about Benjamin Franklin and Roger Sherman and John Adams? How come they never talk about them? Because it kind of screws up the narrative, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Very much so. America was founded in slavery, 1619. Here's my advice to the president and his campaign. I posted it. I posted it, and I want to tell you. The president should run on 1776, and he should say Joe Biden's going to run on 1619. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? I, Donald Trump, i am going to run on 1776, the founding of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Joe Biden's going to run on 1619. I'm going to run on the greatness of America. He's going to run on the vices. And I want to remind all these media hacks who enjoy the luxury of life in America, founded by Washington, Jefferson, among others, I want to remind them of something. Our soldiers are in Afghanistan defending Muslims against Muslims. We have special forces in Africa, Defending black Christians against black Muslims. Our military supports the great nation of Israel defending Jews against Muslims. And not all Muslims, against Iranians in particular. Our military protects people of all walks of life, all races, all religions, no religion. That's what George Washington created. That's what Thomas Jefferson created. That's what all these fantastic men created. When we come back, I want to tell you a little story about slavery. Slavery. We're moving around, and we're moving fast because these things are all interlocking. I'll be right back. love in Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character, to preserve it. Hillsdale's been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, Commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, it's an amazing thing. You have this coronavirus they're trying to pin on Trump. You have uh, these riots that took place in our cities and these protests still taking place in these Democrat cities. You have the massive death rates taking place where the Democrats have 100% control of these inner-city neighborhoods. Um, You have people pulling down monuments, trashing Washington, (laughs) trashing Really, everybody. Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, even Douglas, Now, And they want Trump to run on tax cuts and regulation cuts. I'm watching the news here, Mr. President. Like, that's going to do it. No, what's going to do it is something along the lines of the speech he gave at Mount Rushmore. You've got to understand the left and the, and the media. The reason they pounced so hard the reason they trashed him, the reason they rewrote his speech to accommodate their narrative is because that speech scared the hell out of them. Because that was Trump at his best. On target. Beautiful content. You were excited. The patriotism struck a chord with so many people after months of what's been taking place. They do not want Trump to run on 1776. They do not want Trump to run on defending traditions and values and institutions. They don't want that. They want him to piddle around with minor issues. And now you know that he can't get straight. What's he going to run on and everything? That Rushmore speech, that Mount Rushmore speech, lays out the case. I'll be right back.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: As I pointed out the first hour, just horrific mayhem in our streets and our inner cities. And the Democrats have no plan or policy to do anything about it because they've created these environments and their war on the cops, I said their war on the cops, means that the criminals are running loose, the gang members, the drug pushers. They're just running loose. Our man Daniel Horowitz at Conservative Review, he writes, Sadly, fireworks were not the only munitions shot over the July 4th weekend. Statutes weren't the only things felled by anarchists and criminals roaming free in the streets. This weekend was a bloody one across the country with endless shootings in America's cities, including New York City, which was considered the safest American city for a generation. Once again, African-American victims, including a number of young children, paid the price, while the anarchy was excused and even legitimized by the media and politicians. Here are just a few of the tragic stories that should spur a greater revolution for law and order, for law and order, if we actually had an alternative political party pressing the issue. Sequoia Turner, an eight-year-old girl, was murdered while in the car with her mother. There were the burned-out Wendy's in Atlanta, the site of Rayshard... Uh, Brooks' shooting, which has had the effect of sidelining the police. Three were killed and 20 injured in shootings stemming from the unrest in the area. According to the Atlanta police, murders are up 86% over 28 days last month compared to the same time last year. Aggravated assaults increased by 22%, burglaries by 14%. Roy to Giles Jr., an 8-year-old boy, was murdered at a Birmingham mall while his parents uh, with, his, uh, with his parents at the food court. Three other innocent people, including another child, were wounded in the shooting. J.C. Young, a six-year-old boy, was watching fireworks Saturday night with his family in San Francisco when he was gunned down. No arrests have been made, but in a city that heralds criminals and criminalizes the police, I'd be shocked if the perpetrator wasn't a career criminal let out of jail. Philadelphia, just like San Francisco, as a leftist prosecutor, has released a number of criminals and refuses to prosecute gun felons. Just like in San Francisco, a six-year-old was gunned down in a senseless murder over the weekend. A seven-year-old Chicago girl was shot and killed on July 4th while playing in her backyard. In total, 70 were shot and 14 were killed over the July 4th weekend in the war zone we call Chicago. Also in Chicago last week, a career criminal was charged with shooting two teens to death at a candy store. The man was sentenced to probation 18 months ago for a gun felony. Despite his prior record, and got no jail time, which allowed him to remain on the streets to allegedly commit his double murder. On Friday, New York City police arrested a 35-year-old man for allegedly slashing a 2-year-old boy in the face while he was sitting in a stroller earlier last week in Manhattan. On Saturday, Davon McNeil, 11, was visiting family in southwest Washington, D.C., when he was killed in a drive-by shooting. Last week, a black mother and her unborn twins were killed when she was attacked by her former boyfriend in Mansfield, Texas, in a carjacking. The suspect had a criminal record. Also over the weekend, a black male was caught on camera in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, randomly getting out of his car and knocking out a 12-year-old boy. In this case, the boy was white. Yet for some reason, there's no soft bigotry of low expectations in this country that everyone who happens to share his shade of skin will ride against anyone who happens to be on the same race as this criminal. While we still don't have information on most of the suspects, it's quite obvious that between the jailbreak agenda in the justice system and the criminalization of the police, there's simply no deterrent against violent crime. Shooting in New York City has soared 205% in June, making it the bloodiest month since 1996, before the great New York crime miracle. Milwaukee has experienced a 132% increase in homicides, with 86 this year compared to 37 at this point last year, which is the worst pace of annual homicide since 1991. So far this year, black people account for 77% of homicide victims in Chicago, Even though they only compose one third of the city's population. Horowitz writes I've been fighting a lonely battle since 2014, warning that we were reversing the generation long trend of reduced crime through jailbreak policies. Yet rather than Republicans pushing this narrative, they join the Soros bandwagon, suggesting we have an over incarceration problem and that somehow the system is too tough. Who are they kidding? Just take a look at recent cases that haven't been widely reported in the news. Last week, Peter Mallory, a convicted pedophile who in 2012 was sentenced to 1,000 years in prison in Georgia, was placed on parole. In 2012, the judge called him probably the most prolific collector of child pornography in the entire world. Luis Torres, 21, was convicted of stabbing a mall employee in 2017 in Syracuse, New York. He was released from prison. After just two years, several months later, he violated his parole but was only reincarcerated for a short period of time. Last month, just nine days after being sprung from prison, Torres was arrested for the rape of a 14-year-old girl. Anthony Smith was supposed to be serving 25 years for felony murder in Connecticut. But like so many criminals these days, he was placed in a halfway house where he supposedly returned to dealing drugs. Now he is accused of raping a woman. When he was arrested, he was found uh, with 58 bags of crack cocaine in his bottom. Sleazy politicians in both parties never spend time talking to victims of crime. They parade around with criminals on TV and decry how mean the justice system is when any sane citizen knows that it is immorally lenient and that it's getting worse every day. Then they have the nerve to suggest that they are doing all of this to protect black lives. And he goes on. Black Lives Matter is not protecting black lives. It's killing black lives. The NBA, the NFL, Hollywood, they're not protecting black lives. They've thrown in with the wrong side and as a result, they're giving cover to the radicals whose policies result in the death of black people. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. The war against our country actually has victims. And they're these young kids and others in the inner cities. They want to take down our country. George Washington. Tammy Duckworth's on CNN. Tammy Duckworth, as I recall, lost both of her legs. She's elected to the House and into the Senate uh, in the military. And she's being talked up as a potential VP running mate for Biden. She's a hero. And she's a disaster. An absolute disaster. A down-the-line, hardcore leftist. And she's on CNN with Dana Bash, who's a leftist. And she's on there for one reason, because they know that she's a leftist. And then they throw a ridiculous question to her. Cut, two, go.
2: In your view, where does it end? Should statues, for example, of George Washington come down? Well, let
3: me just say that we should start off by having a national dialogue on it um, at some point. But right now we're in the middle. All right, let, of let's, g-
0: let, let, what does that mean, a national dialogue? Do we ever have a national dialogue about anything? The left plays, heads they win, tails we lose. There's no national dialogue. Where are we going to have this national dialogue? In the media? We should have a national dialogue on whether to take down George Washington monuments. What should we do? Blow up? The Washington Monument in Washington, D.C.? Is that what, Should we blow up the Jefferson Memorial? This is why people say this is like the Taliban. It's like ISIS. It certainly is. The mindset is sickening. Absolutely sickening. She's a United States Senator. Because men like George Washington created the United States Senate, for God's sakes. Go ahead. Pandemic,
3: and our one of our uh, ally, uh, one of our um, uh, uh, countries that are opposed to us, Russia, has put a bounty on American troops' heads. What really struck me about the speech that the president gave at Mount Rushmore was that he spent more time uh, worried about uh, honoring dead Confederates than he did talking about the lives of our American, the hundred thirty thousand Americans who. Not Tommy.
0: Life. Tammy Duckworth, as was pointed out at National Review. I can't remember the gentleman's last name but he writes he is oh charles cook he he is a brilliant writer writes beautifully said she's an absolute bald-faced liar he never praised a single dead confederate not one and of course she wasn't checked by bash of cnn never go ahead
3: but 19 or um, by warning Russia off of the bounty they're putting on Americans' Let's heads. stop
0: again. There is a piece, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see if I can find it here. Just the news, which is a great site, John Solomon's site. That's getting no attention, this article. Claims about Russian bounties in part based on old reports Intelligence sources say. Reports that a Russian military intelligence unit offered bounties on coalition soldiers in Afghanistan are based partially on old information that surfaced more than a decade ago, international intelligence sources said. The sources include both Western based analysts and frontline personnel on the ground in South Asia. I posted this on Mark Levin Show Facebook and Mark Levin Show Twitter. And I'll tell you why the case that they're making publicly is one they apparently can't make privately. I'm talking about the left and the Democrats. Because we haven't gotten any more substantive information on this. This reminds me of the Russia collusion story when senior Obama officials, when they were under oath, in secret, said there was no collusion. Now, Putin's diabolical. He's the enemy. It was Obama who laughed off Romney when Romney said Russia's our number one threat. It was Obama who allowed the Russians to interfere in our election. He was the president of the United States at the time. The problem was Obama was interfering in our election even more than the Russians to help Hillary and try and take out Trump. Do the Democrats now understand that Russia is a very, very dangerous country and that Putin's a very, very dangerous man? Now, I know they use it to attack Trump, but all during the Biden-Obama administration, they were undermining the United States military and they were, they were giving wet kisses to Putin. None other than Obama to med de ved de uh, de Tell the- of Vlad, Vlad, they're on first. To Vlad, uh, you know, after the election, I'll have more flexibility. And I would add, to sell out my country. But notice how she rambles on. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go.
2: George Washington, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would call him a traitor. And there are mm-hmm. moves by some to remove uh, statues of him. Is so, even, so
0: even Dana Bash at CNN is... Uh, You sure, Senator, you want to talk about taking down Washington's statue, the father of the country? Go ahead.
3: I think we should listen to everybody. Why would we we
0: listen to everybody? Who the hell listens to everybody? Think she listens to me? I'll prove you. you, Mr. Producer, invite her on the program, would you? I'm serious. Now, let's see if she'll listen to me and millions and millions of you. We want to have a national discussion. I want to start a national discussion. What better place to start a national discussion than right here with me? Go ahead. Listen to, to the
3: argument there, but remember that the president at Mount Rushmore was standing on ground that was stolen from Native Americans who had actually been given that land during a treaty. Um, and again, let's... Oh, talk-
0: well, let's start all over. Now, liberals live in a lot of the land that was, quote-unquote, stolen from Native Americans. You've, you aware of that, Mr. Beducer? I mean, New York City has to go. What was it, beads and like 28 bucks or something? So New York City has to go. You ever drive through New Jersey and read all the Indian tribe names? uh, Hohokus, They go on and on and on. Weehokan, Hoboken. Parts of Pennsylvania. Man, oh man. Schuylkill, the Schuylkill Indians. Be given a lot of liberal Democrat areas, but is this what Duckworth is proposing? Now remember, that monument's on stolen land. Well, it depends what tribe. You know, nobody likes to talk about this. Tribes stole land from other tribes. You want to hear this one? This is a killer. Tribes enslaved members of other tribes when they defeated them. Are you aware of that, Mister Producer? You want to hear one more? In the continent of Africa, just like in the Middle East, just like in Far East Asia, just like in South America as well, when tribes or groups would defeat other groups, they enslaved them. They enslaved them. I'll be right back. Mark Senator Tammy Duckworth says we should listen to everybody, quote-unquote, and we have to have a national conversation, quote-unquote. Well, I'm a somebody, and we have a national platform here, so we're going to invite Senator Duckworth on to discuss George Washington. I also want to discuss this issue about stolen from Native Americans. That is... What should be given back, quote-unquote, to Native Americans? Now, you say we're going to reel everything back. Now, if this is Tammy Duckworth's position, why doesn't she support the state of Israel, Mr. Producer? What? 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 Well, they're the indigenous people, the Jews, to Judea and Samaria. And so I want to have this discussion with the great Senator Tammy Duckworth. Rather than just allowing the Jews, based on her arguments, to return to Judea and Samaria, shouldn't we push the Palestinians out of all these areas? Correct, Mr. Producer? What are they doing in Bethlehem? What are they doing in Hebron? What are they doing in any part of Jerusalem? What are they doing in any part of Judea or Samaria? They've stolen land from the Jews. The indigenous people have been there, what, almost 4,000 years. So according to Tammy Duckworth, that's it, open and shut. But Tammy Duckworth is a liar. Anything to destroy America on the hard left, and now she's thrown in with them, it's shocking, really. And anything to destroy Israel. I've told you this a thousand times. If they hate America, they hate Israel and vice versa. And their arguments don't even match up. Look at this. The Native Americans said that we stole the land there. And we put up Mount Rushmore. Really? We ought to blow it up and give it back. Oh, okay. And the Jews in the Middle East? Wow, two-state solution. Well, apparently we have a two-state solution in South uh, Dakota, Mr. Bedusa. Right? We have a two-state solution. I didn't work it out, but somebody else did at some point. I'll be right back.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. and Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said because nobody could say it better. Call in now.
0: at 877 381 3811 So the country's starting to open up again. It's time we start thinking ahead to when things are somewhat back to normal. And that's what my friends at the Media Research Center are doing. They've booked a Caribbean cruise for late February of next year and you should really consider signing up. Just go to mrcruise.com. It's time to relax. mrcruise.com and hopefully celebrate a great victory. Or call them at eight 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 MRC trip for all the details. They have a great speaker lineup, including Brent Bozell, Rick Santorum, Cal Thomas, actor Dean Cain, Larry Salov, who runs Breitbart, and many others. The full list is at mrcruise.com. A lot of people in this audience have gone on MRC cruises and they tell me there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Well, the private group sessions, the dinners with speakers, they're unbelievable. And the chance to make new lifetime friendships with people who love this country as much as they do, and they want to save it. I really wish I could go myself, but I have my duties right here behind the microphone and behind the Klieg lights. Think about how nice it would be to get away for February. I saw a piece in the LA Times that cruise bookings for 2021 are up 40%. So, over 80 people have already signed up for the MRC's cruise. You should, too. Just go to mrccruise.com, mrccruise.com, or call 888-MRC-TRIP, 888-MRC-TRIP. There was a quite a good piece written by Rich Lowry at National Review. Um... About a year and a half ago, September 2019, five things they don't tell you about slavery in this 1619 project or generally. Slavery didn't make us unique, he writes in part, which is obvious if we consider its history in a little broader context. Critics of the American founding don't like to do this because it weakens their case and quickly brings them up against politically inconvenient facts that they prefer to pass over in silence. So he says, let's take a look at a few of these things. He said, they're not excuses, they don't make up for anything, but they're facts. One, through much of human history, slavery was ubiquitous and unquestioned. Slavery wasn't the exception in human history, it was the norm. The perennial institution, as historian Seymour Drescher calls it, was an accepted feature of the ancient world, from ancient Egypt to Greece to Rome, and of traditional societies. The Greeks, according to the compelling David Brian Davis book, Inhuman Bondage, The Rise and Fall of Slavery in the New World, came to see slave labor as absolutely central to their entire economy and way of life and deployed it in a wide range of occupations. Roman slavery wasn't race-based, but was brutal all the same. Christians, Jews, others. In the post-Roman world, the Byzantines, the Vikings, Central Asian societies all embraced slavery in various forms. Again, this wasn't remarkable. Consider, for instance, Ethiopia. Stuart Gordon writes in his book, Shackles of Iron, Slavery Beyond the Atlantic, that its first legal code dating from the mid-13th century recognized slaves as central to the economy and defined the acquisition and holding of slaves as the natural order of things. This is Ethiopia. In the 16th century, Ethiopia was a full slave society, even taking tribute from some provinces in the form of... Of slaves slavery knew no bounds of color or creed during one period from 1500 to 1700 there were more white european slaves held captive on the barbary coast than slaves sent from west africa to the atlantic world according to gordon all this history wasn't incidental to what eventually arose in the atlantic world davis notes there was a genuine continuity of slave trading and slave holding from ancient greece to rome and from the late Roman Empire to the Byzantine and Arab worlds, from the medieval shipment of slaves from the Balkans, the Black Sea, and Caucasus, uh, Caucasia to Muslim and Christian Mediterranean markets, and from there to the beginnings in the 15th century of an African slave trade, to Portugal and Spain, and then to the Atlantic Islands and the New World. Slavery was widespread throughout the New World. In In imagery, hemispheric traveler, Davis writes, would have seen black slaves in every colony from Canada and New England all the way to Spanish, Peru, and Chile. Number two, the East African slave trade lasted into the 20th century. The United States ended slavery too late. Again, Britain is a better model, but let's not forget how long the slave trade ended in 1808 in the United States lasted everywhere. Gordon discusses the East African slave trade, also called the Arab slave trade, and he says, throughout the vast Indian Ocean region, slave trade and ownership were considered completely moral, legal, regardless of religion, of the slaver or the buyer. More than a million slaves were taken from East Africa in the 1800s. Despite British attempts at suppressing it, this trade continued in the 20th century. According to Gordon, perhaps the last large-scale movement of East African slaves to the Middle East was in the 1920s. And relatedly, the Muslim world was a vast empire of slavery and enslaved countless black Africans. Number three, Islam was a great conveyor belt of slavery. Long before the establishment of African slavery in the Americas, James Walvin writes, in his A Short History of Slavery, Islamic societies were characterized by the widespread and generally unchallenged use of slavery. Indeed, slavery was commonplace throughout Arabia, well before the rise of Islam. But as Islam spread between the 8th and 15th centuries, and especially to black Africa, it extended and confined the commonplace use of slavery and slave trading. According to Walvin, Muslim slavers transported enslaved Africans across vast distances visa overland routes, long before the European pioneers in the Americas began to consider the use of African slaves as laborers in the American settlements. The routes across the Sahara, he adds, survived from the 7th to the 20th century, and millions of Africans were forced marched along them from their homelands to slave markets to the north. The story is relevant to the nature of slavery in the Atlantic world, at first slavery in the Muslim world wasn't race-based, but that changed. Davis writes, the Arabs and other Muslim converts were the first people to make use of literally millions of blacks from sub-Sahara Africa, and to begin associating black Africans with the lowliest forms, a bondage it may well be he continues that racial stereotypes were transmitted along with black slavery itself to say nothing of the algebra and knowledge of the ancient Greek classics as Christians treated and fought with Muslims for the first Islamic challenges to the Byzantine Empire certainly while slavery was an eclipse in the rest of Europe it had a new vitality on the Muslim occupied Iberian Peninsula with Muslims and Christians both engaged in the practice of of slavery. By the 15th century, says historian James Sweet, many Iberian Christians had internalized the racist attitudes of the Muslims and were applying them to the increasing flow of African f- slaves to their part of the world. Now, one would think that there would be more attention paid to the Muslim world's contribution to race based slavery, but since it doesn't offer any opportunity for Western self reproach, it's mostly ignored. Number four, slavery was not a European imposition on West Africa. It was already a common practice before the European slavers showed up to subject African captives to the hideous Atlantic passage and bondage in the New World. According to John Thornton, slavery was widespread in Atlantic Africa because slaves were the only form of private, revenue-producing property recognized in African law. Europeans didn't capture millions of slaves on their own. The slavers were confined to the coasts. They weren't capable of enslaving masses of Africans, and even when they attempted it, they risked disrupting the entire system and retribution from the Africans. In the interior, slaves were captured in battles and raids and marched to the coast in unspeakable conditions. They were then sold to the Europeans for liquor, textiles, tobacco, and other goods. Davis notes the rise of predatory states such as Futajian, Dahomey, Asante, Assange, and the Lunda Empire, which found it financially profitable to wage war on neighbors and sell prisoners to the Portuguese, Dutch, English, French, Danes, or Americans. The system of West African enslavement kept running even when the Europeans stopped coming. Flooding various regions with non-exportable slaves, as Davis puts it. The slave population of West Africa would come to exceed that of the New World. And then he points out the fifth point. Any historical accounting of the Atlantic slave trade has to drudge Brazil harshly. 95% of the slaves transported across the Atlantic went to places south of the present-day United States. With Brazil alone taking about 40%. Black slaves were already about 10% of Lisbon's population in 1550, and Brazil had about 1 million slaves by 1790. Even though a relatively small 5% of African slaves went to colonial America, the population in the colonies and the United States grew until there were 4 million slaves by the time of the Civil War. Brazil never had. This natural increase because the life expectancy of the slaves there was so low. Life on Brazil's sugar plantations was brutal and regimented. Beginning in the 1960s, Davis writes, historians have demolished the myths that Brazilian slavery was benign or humane and that Brazil was relatively free from racism. The records show extreme forms of racial prejudice coupled with the view that slaves were mere instruments of production. Even when the Atlantic slave trade was mostly illegal and on the way out, the beat went on. Brazil and Cuba received most of the more than 2 million slaves transported between 1820 and 1880, according to Davis. Now, none of this justifies American cruelty and hypocrisy across the centuries, but it does suggest that an appropriate perspective should take full account of all that sets us apart, which emphatically wasn't chattel slavery. None of the other societies tainted by slavery produced the Declaration of Independence, a Washington, Jefferson, and Hamilton, the U.S. Constitution, or a tradition of liberty that inspired people around the world for centuries. If we don't keep that in mind, as well as the broader context of slavery, we aren't giving this country or history its due. Rich Lowry, September 2019. None of this are almost none of it, is taught anywhere. Not as an excuse. Nobody's talking about excuses. How can you make an excuse? But so that people understand the entire system that was taking place at the American founding. The Europeans, for the most part, or the Americans, didn't come into the continent of Africa and capture slaves. Captured slaves were sold or bartered to the Americans and the Europeans by black tribes that had conquered black tribes for the most part. And some of the black tribes kept other black tribesmen as their slaves. Again, this makes no excuses, but it gives a little bit of context. And as Lowry ends his piece, look at what these men created. Washington, Jefferson, and look at what the non-slaveholders created. Sam Adams, John Adams, Hancock, Revere, so many others. This isn't discussed on CNN because the idiots on CNN don't even know what they're talking about. And they bring in guests who just push the narrative, push the narrative, push the narrative. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, statues have to come down, names have to be erased from history books burned, movies burned, people's careers destroyed. All of a sudden. Meanwhile, we have slaughter literally taking place, most of it in black communities. And the silence is deafening. And the Democrats have no policy whatsoever because they attack law and order. They attack the president when he talks about law and order. They attack the president when he says... Please, mayors, let me know when you need help. I'll send you support, meaning the guard. Not a word. They mock him. The Democrats have no answers to the massive increase in murder and crime in the inner cities. They have no answers to the poor schools because they oppose school choice. They have no answers to the business climate in these communities because they reject private property rights and capitalism. And for those outside of these communities, leftists, whether they be black or white or something else, who serve in many respects as surrogates to this, shame on you. Shame on you, because you're contributing to this environment. I'll be right back. You know, people who say we need to do something about what's going on in these cities, put parties aside, what are the conservatives doing? president of the United States is offering the only option a president can offer because all policing is local unless there's a federal law that's violated. There aren't federal murder laws except in very, very rare circumstances involving federal officials and so forth. So this is all local and state. It's not like conservatives can rush in and fix it. This is the government for people in these these areas, what they vote for. This is what LeBron James is pushing. He wants more Democrats to get elected. People need to really take a look at these phony icons. They really need to look at these phony leaders who do not live the lives that they live. The President of the United States has said the only thing he can say. Please, you have to ask me for help. I will give you help but I can't do local policing for you. Plus, you're slashing your cops. You're bought into this systemically racism crap when it comes to the police officers. Now look what's going on. People are being slaughtered. Babies are being slaughtered. Teenagers are being shot in the head, for God's sakes. Well, what are you going to do? The president has said, I want to help you. What's Joe Biden said? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What's ESPN saying? I don't know. Probably nothing. Everyone knows PayPal, but did you know they're teaming up with Honey to save you money? Honey is the free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. And now it's part of the PayPal family. Just add Honey to your computer and shop on all your favorite sites like normal. And when you check out, just click the little Apply Coupons button that pops up. Wait a few seconds for Honey to scan its database of all the working coupons on the web, then watch your price drop. Honey works on nearly every online store, including Walmart, DoorDash, Home Depot, Lululemon, Macy's, and more. Honey has found over $2 billion in savings. That's why it has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome Store. Not using honey is literally passing up free money. And it's free to you. It costs you nothing. Nothing. Honey is free to use and installs in just seconds. Get honey today at joinhoney.com slash Levin. joinhoney.com slash Levin. That's joinhoney.com slash L-E-V-I-N. NBA released a list of the 29 pre approved social justice message. You, you see the narcissism, the the egomaniacal mentality that is in professional sports and Hollywood and these other places. This is what they're focused on. People are getting shot in the back, they're getting shot in the head, and they're concerned about the social message on their shirts. Twenty nine have been approved, such as Black Lives Matter. Say their names. Vote. I can't breathe. Justice, peace, equality, freedom. Enough. Power to the people. Justice now. Say her name. Yes, we can. Liberation. See us. Hear us. Respect us. Love us. Listen. Listen to us. On and on and on. I have some. How about stop the killing? Stay in school. Don't do dope. Just say no. Free Hong Kong. Screw Nike. I got a whole bunch of them. I'll be right back.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: I have some questions for LeBron James. Mark, why are you picking on LeBron James? Trust me. It's no picking on LeBron James. He's the bully, not me. But he's out there. And he's trying to influence the course of the country in ways that I think are extraordinarily detrimental. And I think he's a massive hypocrite. And so here are my questions for LeBron James. And I have more, but this is enough. And it's not just LeBron James. It's many of the people who are, and by, and by the way, Mr. Perdue, don't don't we have that, that article where a few years back, uh, Kaepernick tweeted out, uh, have, a, have a wonderful or happy uh, Independence Day? Wasn't that like 2012? Under Obama, of course. So this is what I had posted, some questions for LeBron James. Number one. What exactly is your definition of systemic racism? And in what systems does it exist? Everywhere? The MBA? In the neighborhoods where you own multi-million dollar estates? Where exactly? Number two. Why don't you live in communities you claim to care about rather than presumably systemically racist communities? Number three. Why didn't or don't you send your children... To public schools and communities you claim to care about. Number four, you say there's voting oppression and suppression taking place in the country. Exactly which voting locations are you talking about? Have you informed the Civil Rights Division of the Federal Justice Department? These would be federal civil rights violations under the 1965 Voting Rights Act. And are you aware that the voting locations and related decisions about the voting process are mostly made in the counties where the precincts are actually located? In other words, are you accusing minority public officials of oppressing and suppressing votes in their own communities? Number five, it's well known that you're a Democrat, that the organization you now have helped fund to promote voting is intended to elect Democrats. And that many of the issues you claim to care about involve matters handled by locally elected officials who are almost all Democrats. The Democrat Party is also the party that stood for slavery, segregation, Jim Crow laws, filibuster, the 1964 and 65 Civil Rights Acts. Elected a former Klansman as its leader in the 1970s, etc., etc. Why aren't you calling for the abolition of the Democrat Party? Or at least demanding a name change? And how do you justify your hypocrisy? Number six. Are the fans who pay your enormous salary through very expensive tickets, cable TV, monthly charges, and buy your extremely pricey sneakers, jerseys, etc., systemically racist? Are the fans who are not systemically racist nevertheless being price-gouged in order to subsidize your lavish lifestyle? Number seven. You signed a tremendously lucrative contract with Nike. Nike does business in communist China. Slave labor is used to manufacture products in China. And China is a genocidal communist regime that runs concentration camps and enslaves ethnic minorities. For all your talk about racism and oppression, isn't it true that you have enriched yourself at the hands of one of the most repressive regimes in modern history? Number eight, you infamously chided an NBA executive who tweeted a short sentence in defense of the oppressed people of Hong Kong who are now suffering mightily under the iron fist of China's Communist Party. Don't you owe your fans, the public and the people of Hong Kong a better explanation, especially when you hold yourself out as a civil rights icon? Number nine, my producer reached out to your representative and to the representative of the L.A. Lakers to invite you on my radio show where we can discuss these and other issues before millions of listeners. We've not received any response. Please consider this a continuing open invitation to have a frank, civil conversation. I'm going to have one with a friend in a couple of weeks. I'm not going to mention who it is yet. About this very topic. And other topics, too, if we get around to it. Could be fun, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Oh my goodness! The play Hamilton. All you lefties like the play Hamilton. Famous people line up to go into the Clintonoids with their hemorrhoids. Uh, I believe the Obamas. You know everybody. All the leftists. They can't wait because they took Hamilton and they twisted him and turned him and he was a pretzel. But they 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 really like. Uh oh. Uh oh. The Trotskyites and the Stalinists are fighting with the Maoists. Who's, which, what, or when, I don't know. From Paul Saka at The Blaze. By the way, The Blaze has an excellent news aggregation site. My buddy Bongino, as you know, has an excellent news aggregation site. Just the News, Solomon's News site, is outstanding. Right Scoop is outstanding. Red State is outstanding. There's a lot of really, really good ones out there. The MRC collection of uh, sites, Newsbusters are terrific. Breitbart, of course, is outstanding. Instapundent. Many, many others. Legal Insurrection. I know, I've left some out. There are many good ones filling the void. You don't have to worry about the Drudge Report anymore or Mediaite or Media Matters. Oh, my goodness. And the Free Beacon is a great site. There's so many great sites out there. Make sure you use them. Listen to this one, folks. Hello. Hello. Whoa. Media Matters. This is the Soros Criminal Front Group, in my opinion, because it takes it's a non-profit, it says. Media Matters takes millions in PPA while criticizing Trump coronavirus response. Listen to this by Elena Goodman, FreeBeacon.com. Good job. Media Matters raked in as much as $2 million in coronavirus relief loans. As the left-wing blog slammed the Trump administration's coronavirus response, according to federal records released on Monday. You know, it never would have occurred to me running a nonprofit, to ask the government for loans. But, of course, they're left-wingers. Records show that Media Matters, the progressive activist group founded by Clinton loyalist David Brock and... By the way, we didn't find this on the Drudge Report. We found this at... uh, Where did we find this? Blaze or Bongino or both? Bongino... And the Bongino Report is now part on the MarkLevinShow.com website. We drop CNN like a bad habit. Records show the Media Matters, the progressive activist group founded by Clinton loyalist David Brock in 2004, received between $1 million and $2 million from the federal government's Paycheck Protection Program. The loan represents a significant portion of the group's annual income, which was listed as $11 million in 2017. Imagine how many children we could feed. According to tax records, Media Matter is bankrolled by the Democracy Alliance, one of the largest progressive donor groups in the country. The deep-pocketed philanthropy network has steered hundreds of millions of dollars to liberal groups since it was founded in 2005 and pledged to distribute $100 million in the 2020 campaign alone. Their million-dollar loan was much larger than the average PPP loan. The average loan size for businesses during the first round of funding that ended in April was $200,000, according to reports. The average for the second round of funding, which ended in late May, was 114000 Media Matters' successful loan application has not stopped it from continuing to criticize Trump's coronavirus policy. So they get money to subsidize these bastards, And then they complain about the president's handling of the virus. Trump is set to ask Congress for emergency funds to fight the novel coronavirus outbreak after weeks of failing to do so, Media Matters argued in February. Some public health officials say he won't ask for enough to do the job. This is what Media Matters argued before they got their loan. American Bridge 21st Century Political Action Committee, also founded by Brock, that shares the same address as Media Matters, has attacked the administration for allegedly neglecting to provide loans to small businesses through the Paycheck Protection Program. The group posted a Twitter message suggesting that Trump was directly responsible for the failure to provide PPP funds for small businesses in late May. Well, maybe Media Matters should have given their money to a real small business rather than a Soviet-style propaganda operation. And it goes on, so Media Matters got upwards of $2 million. They raked in as much as $2 million in relief loans to pay their little propagandist bastards. Can you imagine that? That's my tax money, Mr. Producer. Why are any of these nonprofit groups getting out of right, center, left, whatever it is? That's pretty outrageous, I would say. I'll be right back. Mudge. Carly Daniels, well that great man who entertained so many of us for so long and was so exuberant and inspirational and passionate and cerebral, passed away suddenly of a stroke. Um, I can't say I know him well, but I got to know him at various uh, Hannity Freedom concerts. Uh, and, uh, they... I got on their tour bus and all, and he and his band were just fabulous. He's an extremely nice man, extremely kind man, who so loved this country. And apparently, on the bus, they would often listen to this program. That's what he told me, anyway. And, uh... I hate to see it when such, a, uh, such an outstanding human being, such a, such a contributor to the human race, such a contributor to this society uh, passes away and passes away like this suddenly. I'm sure he wanted to be involved in this campaign. I'm sure he was deeply worried about the course of the country. And for him, of course, there's no good time to pass for anybody. But for him, the past now is probably a terrible thing. Um, I'll just segue into what I'm thinking. I, I often think about what my father and mother would be thinking today about what's going on in the country. I think they would be shocked and deeply, deeply upset. And then very, very angry. Charlie Daniels, uh, what a fantastic musician. Fantastic. And man, did this guy have energy. I believe he was 83 years old when he passed. Energy, enormous energy. And uh, just very pleasant to be around. As I say, it wasn't that much and that often, but I felt like I knew him really, really well just by the the few meetings and, uh, and his kindness. And he loved his fans. Many of you are fans. Many of you probably saw him live in concert. He loved his fans. He loved his family and he loved his country. And so it is. Another great patriot passes. And. Uh, will be long remembered. I believe. By the right people will be long remembered by the right people. You can't do justice, really, to the passing of, of iconic figures, but it's important that we at least spend a few minutes acknowledging them, you know? And so we do. I was telling you about this piece in The Blaze. Basically, the... Uh, the play Hamilton, which has been such a massive success, it's on hiatus because of the virus, of course. Uh, they find it, the hard left, the play itself and the writer, quote unquote, deeply problematic. Quote, I've intentionally or unintentionally ignored these things for years, but I'm trying to fix this now so I can fully contextualize and understand Hamilton and its effects as a whole, uh, writes some leftist. I mean, I think the fact that a musical like Hamilton has to exist in order for non-white actors to have a space on Broadway is just very indicative of how non-white stories will never be able to thrive on the elitist medium. What a bunch of insane and sick bastards. That's all I can say. I don't know what else to say. I'll be right back.
1: The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now,
0: 877-381-3811. Well, that CNN really is quite a research and news operation. July 4, 2015, Tammy Duckworth tweets out the following. All dressed up as historic figures. I just covered myself in stars and stripes. Next year, I'm going as Mount Rushmore. This is from Right Scoop. Did you hear that, Mr. Producer? What a hippie. These people are such... Fr- it's all about destroying Donald Trump. That's what it is. All dressed up as historic figures. Five years ago, Tammy Duckworth. I just covered myself in stars and stripes. Next year, I'm going to Mount Rushmore. And in the photo she posted, she's going to her 4th of July party with a woman actually dressed up like Betsy Ross. Waving, as they point out a Right Scoop, the racist Betsy Ross flag. So much racism and now nowhere to go. Good job, Right Scoop. Now we go over to the blaze. Good job, blaze. Colin Kaepernick bashes America on July 4th, but had a completely different message when Obama was president. Colin Kaepernick, the former NFL quarterback turned activist, denounced America on Independence Day this year a completely different message when Barack Obama was president. In his 4th of July message, Kaepernick claimed that the national holiday making America's independence from Great Britain is a celebration of white supremacy. What a complete idiot. Black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, criminalized, and terrorized. I thought it was Jesse Jackson for a minute. By America for centuries and are expected to join your commemoration of independence while you enslaved our ancestors. We reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. Wow. Kaepernick has turned up the volume on his anti-American rhetoric in recent years, especially in the wake of his departure from the NFL. Uh, This is what I want to point out, too, as a side point. You know, uh, while we're taking a knee during the uh, national anthem and the flag... It's not really intended at the military or the country. It's at the cops. Is that what that sounds like to you, Mr. Producer? You don't even hear the, see the word cops in his tweet. Kaepernick said, The U.S. government has stolen over 1.5 billion acres of land from indigenous people. Thank you to my indigenous family. I'm with you today and always. No, you're not. You're a fraud. Then after U.S. armed forces killed... Iran military commander Qasim Soleimani, terrorist. Kaepernick accused the U.S. of engaging in racism. In a racist terrorist attack. There's nothing to do about American terror attacks against black and brown people. Hey, dummy. Those are American soldiers. Black, brown, white, red, yellow. We're in these hell holes defending black people, brown people, and all people. You jerk. You creep. Now, in 2011, when Barack Obama was president, here's what Kaepernick tweeted back then. Happy 4th of July, everyone. I hope everyone has a blessed day. What? Yeah, just nine years ago. Happy 4th of July, everyone. I hope everyone has a blessed day. Then he writes, Hope everyone has a blessed 4th. As for me, I'm on that workout flow first. Wow. Wow. He wasn't down for the revolution then, Mr. Producer. He's down for the revolution now. Different president and the guy's a fraud. That's right, I said it! A fraud! What was it? uh, Favre called him at one point a hero? Yeah, a hero to whom? But He's out there. He's down for the revolution now. He wasn't before as is yamichi alsinder who oh yes she's on national public radio as i recall mr producer so we help subsidize it her family recently immigrated to the united states as well i think one generation away and she absolutely hates the country absolutely hates the country hates the president and thus she's qualified to be a a reporter particularly for government-run radio. So Yamiche Alcindor is on MSLSD today, and here in part is what she had to say about the people who, well, just listen, cut four, go.
3: What we see in President Trump is someone who is determined to be on the side of the Confederate generals, determined to be on the side of people who see American history. You know what, You
0: you are a liar and you are contemptible. The side of the Confederate generals. What kind of an idiot are you? It's not on the side of the Confederate generals. You might not know this, but the Confederate generals are dead. They've been defeated. We're in the United States of America. We don't have slavery in this country. Isn't that something? It's amazing. It eliminated it. Trump's on the side of the Confederate. And you say this on MSNBC and you're not fired right on the spot? For your contemptible lies, propaganda, the side of the Confederacy and the Confederate generals. And this woman goes into the press room. She's part of the White House press corps throwing mud balls and political grenades left and right trying to take out the president. She's the enemy of the people just like the most of the rest of the press are the enemy of the people. You can't conduct yourself this way. And consider yourself part of a free press? He cited, I mean, where does this insanity come from? Go ahead.
3: Say, as white history, this idea that America treated everyone equally and that there was really no racial strife in America. Now, let's
0: stop. Nobody said that. She's an idiot. She's insane. No racial strife in America. What a damn civil war. We had a civil rights movement. What are you talking about? Did somebody say there was no racial strife in America, Mr. Producer? And did the president say that, ladies and gentlemen? God, do they hate him. And by the way, they hate us. And by us, I don't mean white people. I mean all people who support this country. She's a Marxist, as far as I'm concerned. Well, how can you? If she's going to call Trump, in effect, a Confederate, I'll call her a Marxist because that's what she sounds like to me. She sounds to me like a Marxist. Go ahead.
3: History that President Trump continues to hearken back on. And what he's doing is really.
0: Well, 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 I watched that speech, didn't you, folks? Harken back on. She talks about the Confederacy. He didn't talk about the Confederacy. He never mentioned a Confederate. He never mentioned a Confederate general. George Washington was the general in charge of the Revolutionary War. Abraham Lincoln was the president in charge of the country that defeated slavery and those generals. What the hell is she talking about? Go ahead.
3: The Black Lives Matter movement, which, of course, has really swelled and has the support of Americans across all 50 states, including in red states.
0: And she, of course, would know because she's deeply embedded in red states. Let me tell you about Black Lives Matter and why Yamitri Alcindor is a Marxist, hates Trump and hates so many of you. Here's a piece from the clarionproject.org. Black Lives Matter protesters took a U-turn into blatant anti-Semitism recently. That's if you don't count during the riots in L.A. as a function of anti-Semitism. At a rally in Washington, D.C. led by Harvard student Christian Tabash, protesters could be heard chanting their accusations that the Jewish state murders children. Oh yes, we're all getting behind Black Lives Matter, you know. Amid calls alternating between Black Lives Matter and Palestinian Lives Matter, The protesters intoned, Israel, we know you. You murder children, too. Tabash explained that the Palestinian cause is intrinsically tied to Black Lives Matter since American capitalism and the state of Israel both founded on the repression of minorities. What happened to the indigenous peoples, Mr. Producer? And how are the Jews the the majority? There's like... Hundreds of millions of Arab Muslims in that area. Wasn't the first time BLM has veered into anti-Semitism, and judging from how the movement, which has embraced all the intersectional cost celebs, it won't be the last. It's based on Marxist theology. Well, you know, in the red states, uh, lots of people embrace it, and that Trump—he's embracing Confederate generals. He really—I've never seen anything like this in my uh, short career at National Public Radio. You're a hater. You're a Marxist, and you're a liar. So you should get a promotion. Maybe you'll work at CBS next. You never know. Maybe you'll work at CBS next. Then, of course, CNN brings in Julian Maxwell Hader, H-A-Y-T-E-R. Who is he? Who the hell knows? But he serves a purpose. Cut five, go.
2: You know, you, you have spoken so prolifically about how, while the South lost the war, it still won in a he's way. He's spoken
0: how? Can you run that again, please?
2: You know, you, you have spoken so prolifically about how...
0: You've spoken so prolifically. In other words, he's spoken a lot. Well, that makes him an expert then, right? Go ahead.
2: You know, you you have spoken so prolifically about how while the South lost the war, it's still won in a way by being able to later erect these Confederate figures as a reminder, as sources of intimidation and why this collective movement um, is so profound right now. Uh, uh,
0: Excuse me, Mr. British, are you intimidated by Confederate statues? Do you even see them most of the time? The hell are they talking about? This is a movement on the left that wishes to destroy careers, if you don't agree with them, destroy the police, destroy the country, to pull down statues of Abraham Lincoln, abolitionists, the 54th unit, the first black, all-black unit in the Civil War to fight for the North in Boston, takes down abolitionists. What, What the hell is she talking about? Are you folks intimidated by Confederate statues? Are you intimidated by the Marxist left? Antifa. Violent. Black Lives Matter. Violent? Go ahead. It
2: is your argument as well as that of so many who were saying this is this does not symbolize erasing history, but instead putting history or is there, history. Is there a
0: question somewhere in here? Frederica Whitfield, is there a question somewhere? Why have a guest? You can just do it yourself. Uh, Frederica, as the host. Isn't it true? Blah, blah, blah. Frederica answers. Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. Save a lot of money. Go ahead. Proper place. Would you say right.
2: it would be uh, museums?
1: Yeah. Right. His- history is as much about forgetting as remembering. And I think what people are really dealing with is the crisis of memories that have been chosen. And I think it's absurd, by the way, to think that we can't erase history. If you crack open a, a textbook from the mid-20th century, there are no minorities in those textbooks. And, and when they arrive, they're in, inconsequential and dehumanized figures. Okay,
0: slow down, pal. Not the textbooks I had. What textbooks? You know, this is the other thing. The left picks all the textbooks. The left picks all the textbooks, especially in our universities and colleges and our high schools. The left picks the textbooks. Now, there's a problem with the textbooks. Because the left isn't properly represented, because uh, the down for the revolution isn't properly represented. I believe it's 2020, isn't it, Mr. Producer? We have a national holiday for Martin Luther King Jr., which is great. We had a president who I objected to, not because of his race, but because of the content of his, his belief system, who was black. We've had attorneys general who are black. We've had two Supreme Court justices who are black. We, God knows how many district court judges and appellate judges, uh, judges who are black. The only underrepresentation I see of blacks in some parts of our society is in the Democrat Party, in the Senate. They have two, one of whom is not an African-American. You know where else I see underrepresentation of blacks? In executive offices at CNN and MSNBC. Bad hell. Go ahead.
1: Um, we've been quite effective at erasing history. and What I think people want now is a history that's more in keeping what the people intended who erected those monuments. In many ways, I think people recognize now that Confederate statuary um, and the institutionalization of the lost cause um, has cast a very long shadow on what, what Nobody's Americans
0: institutionalizing the lost cause. Why do they keep fighting the Civil War on the left? We won. What we should be fighting is the Democrat Party that undermined Reconstruction, that undermined the purpose of the Civil War, and the Democrats on the courts, and Plessy versus Ferguson, and so forth. You see, uh, Julian Maxwell Hayter, historian, is to me a propagandist. Just my opinion. Not so much a historian, but he's exactly the kind of teacher and professor your kids are learning from day in and day out. You know what, Johnny? Yeah. Look at this. You got into an Ivy League school here. That's absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. And then they come out zombies. I hate America. I hate America. Pull down the statues. Pull down the statues. Give me student loans. Give me free education. Where's Democrat? Vote Democrat. I'll be right back.
1: Much love in.
0: As I post things over the weekend, I notice they show up on television. It's a good thing that we do this research for so many wonderful people. It really is, at least in my view. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get through all this, but we're going to have a big problem if we don't win the election in November. So I want you to be thinking about that at all times. I want you to be... Talking to family members, neighbors, and friends at all times, you must be the Thomas Paines. You must be the Thomas Paines out there. And the Paul Revere. We salute Armed Forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and all of you wonderful patriots. Thank you each and every one. Keep your chin up and God bless you.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.